0: a podcast on sci-fi, philosophy, religion, politics, gaming, and anything else ta- taboo. Do. 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 And I am here with my <laughs> eternal thou.
1: Yes, me. I'm tired. Ta- no, you're not the eternal and I'm thou. Here with you're, you're just the thou. Oh, yes. I'm here with the it <laughs> 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 of oh,
0: Benjamin. so I gave you a capital T thou. I you my, give me I, an it. An it. An S. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Martin Booba. Um, Not to
1: be confused with Michael Bublé. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: One wrote a bit. The other is a singer. Plays. To, I was going to say something. You know, a lot worse. Comes than out I of day. his
1: cave every Christmas. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was that. Plays to baby boomers. You know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um Baby boomers love Bublé. eh? Yeah. The and that and the other guy. Frank that, Sinatra. No. I like Frank Sinatra. What's the, the guy that does Andre. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Andre Rieu I think yeah. you say his surname Andre Rieu They love him They do um,
1: All about Christmas carols coming out soon
0: Yeah, we don't do that at the shop
1: You don't play any Christmas songs? No. None at all? No Not even like retro ones? No I like Christmas songs No Yeah, I'm the sort of one that kind of hums them all year round
0: Yeah <laughs> So we, like, you know You're going to think that we're open for like 12 hours a day Every yeah. day The staff want to like know, jump off the balcony as it is yeah. <laughs> dealing with the amount of stock and everything. If you have played incessant Christmas music. True, it would push them over the edge. Well really it's yeah. no
1: H and S risk. <laughs>
0: it is, yeah. So I made an assessment and I decided two Christmases ago that after one day of Christmas carols, no. I'm going to play like rockabilly ska music and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, that, so that's So you're a little
1: better. bit like the Grinch that saw Christmas.
0: No, I like I like music.
1: And Do you I like, like music at Christmas. Christmas to, I love Christmas. Yeah. Do you like Christmas carrots? No. Oh see. No. Bit Grinchy. Mm. Mm, presents? Yeah, I like presents. Okay. Yeah. yeah not um, so much okay. So what's been up with you? Let's do it. Let's do like a quick. Oh. Quick kind
0: of. I've been busy, as you know. Finished yep. writing Dostoevsky lecture this morning, which is good. Um, uh, they've had lots of menial stuff going on. Um uh you know, including the award ceremony that we Yeah, very menial but menial, super, yeah. super <laughs> significant. Yeah, no, the award ceremony was wonderful. Oh, yeah, and
1: we've got a photo we're gonna upload it, I yes. think, to the warp zone page. So you Are guys you doing
0: the thumbs up? Maybe yeah. we'll have to have a look, yeah, see yeah. what we think. Uh you won't like it. I shared it already to one of the Discords. Anyway, um
1: Why won't I like it? Uh
0: I think there's a bit of a gumby face going on. That's, a what? Yeah, that's all right. Don't worry about it. It's Wait, okay. what? <laughs> no, no, no. Don't worry about it. We're, we're recording. You don't need to. You watch. say I've got a okay.
1: problem with my gums. No, no, that's fine. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> have you talking to Tom about my? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> he calls me like like jaws. <laughs> is my... Really? like because you know sharks have lots of gums as well? No, he
0: doesn't. I've never heard that.
1: No, he he calls me gummy shark. <laughs> gummy shark. Tom's a horrible person. <laughs> he is.
0: Um. And that's not to be inc- you know, confused with the cat, because he's quite Yeah, nice. Thomas O'Malley's yes. okay. Um, doesn't have a neck, though, but he's all right. Uh, also, okay, so Isaiah's developed something quite strange. Um, on Saturday, I take him to swimming lessons, cried the entire time, was unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, he's a really good swimmer. Like, for a four-year-old, he can jump in the pool, swim back to the edge oh, on wow. his own. Like, he's mm-hmm. really, really good. Um, so then I took him around to the big side, because Jack wanted to go swimming that day. So I'm like, okay. My swimmers, so you know how much I hate swimming, and yeah, areas. Well, I'm like, okay, that's fine. So, I jump in the pool over the other side, and I saw I was still crying. So, I had to hold him for like 40 minutes after his lessons of him crying. So, it's an hour and 20 minutes. Oh my god, he was like unhappy. Then he snaps out of it, and he was jumping off the edge. <laughs> he was absolutely fine. Mm. So, I'm like, okay, this is weird. Maybe he's developed like a little neurosis about you know swimming or whatever. Um, so what we do is take him back on the Sunday.
1: Same thing happens, oh, really? 40 minutes
0: again. So. What was he
1: just saying? I don't want to go in, I don't want to go much in. <laughs> Too much water.
0: Too much. I don't
1: know what that means.
0: Um, yeah, so he's, he's not happy with that. So this Saturday, we're going half an hour early because, you know, the first time he had an hour and 20-minute breakdown
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. on Sunday, 40 minutes. Oh, he, what, he hopes that think? it's going to keep reducing. Yeah, <laughs> that's my theory.
1: Yeah, just throw yeah. him in. Just throw him straight in.
0: Ah, he swims out. Back out.
1: Alright, oh, keep like doing it. it. Like yeah. a, you know, those like videos of cats or something that mm. kind of like that. You just sort of gently plop them on the couch, and they run back. and yeah. Plop them back on the couch. Just kind of do. Keep doing that with the zebra. I don't know if that's good for <laughs> a psychology.
0: I just noticed as well. So we're in ThinkSpace. Yeah. Um, we should have said that. But they've got an analog clock up on their screen. Oh
1: yeah. Oh. Yeah. It just turned off.
0: Does that? Um, yeah, they've got an analog clock up on the screen. Oh yeah. whereas they got the digital one down the corner?
1: Yeah, I don't like analog clocks. I've never been good at reading them. Really? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, I can read them. Pop. Anyway, um, so that's what I've been doing. It's quite annoying, but that's okay. Yep. Um, we had dinner yesterday. Mm-hmm. We went to a party on the weekend. That was pretty yeah. good. Yeah.
1: Mm. How's the host? Yeah, bit <laughs> <laughs> gummy. <laughs> no, no, that was good. It was good. No. I think this is fair because of all the thumb jokes I make. I think you can make gum jokes too well to me. I don't make gum jokes. No, it's okay. Didn't you say it was a bit gummy though the photo?
0: Yeah. Yeah, gumby. Gumby. What does that mean? Uh, you'll see. Yeah.
1: What do it's you mean? Just, we're we
0: we're, we're not looking very like uh, professional. Profe- no, you wouldn't put that photo up on oh, the, in the say. John Bully building. But what does kind of Gumby mean? You know, like a bit. Doofy. Silly. Like a little bit of a doofy. Oh,
1: so you yeah. Gum, not gummy. No. no. <laughs> okay, so I just found this whole, like, turtle. No, no, I no, left okay. lefty just jump off. You're yeah, right. Thanks it. for it's that. Yeah, yeah. So you... Fine. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 You've obviously, like, f- it's fed into some insecurity about yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, it it. It was interesting. That <laughs> was... Yeah, and then we talked about another insecurity. That's the thing that... Like, what is it? Protest too much kind of no. thing. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Um, yeah, so we had the Halloween party, which was mm. fun. And we played... Subterror. Subterror. Mm. Yeah, that was we good. We die. <laughs> I <died. laughs>
0: yeah, I gave the intro in the first minute. I'm like, okay, so you yeah, know, we're all gonna like lose this game yeah. and it's gonna be really hard. First round, <laughs> I walk down a, like a pathway, I die immediately. Yeah. But it I mean, went in for
1: ages in general, the game wasn't it? then it was like forty minutes later and it was yeah, still good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a long game. It was it was good. I just watched because I wanted other people to have a go and I was feeling a bit tired anyway. Hmm. Um, but it was fun. It was The food was good. I was a bit tired because I just had cleaned all day. Um, and we were looking after another cat that's her caesarean lines kind of breaking up. Anyway, it's too complicated to go into. <laughs> but um, things have been good. Uh, busy, very busy. Tom's been going. He was in Canberra last week. Now he's doing bee stuff at Pearl Beach. and um, Still smelling. smelling. S- what? Smelling. No, smelling no smell really. stuff. Um, now folks can run the semen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Is that a progression or a digression? Yeah, B semen, I should yeah, say, for semen. anyone that's just listening, <laughs> just to this episode with no just context. Focusing on the
1: semen. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else happened? Uh, nothing exciting. Uh, I'll just tell a funny story about the um, the kind of the antics of the people that play that, that are loud downstairs because I think it's a funny story. So, I think a couple yeah. of episodes back, I was talking about that Tom was going to throw tofu. On some people that come out and sort of linger and and with their car on talking really loudly right underneath my bedroom door. So the way that it travels, basically, you could whisper and you can hear them. That's how loud it Mm. is.
0: And this is because you're vegan. You don't have eggs. Yeah, that's right. We have no eggs. It's
1: tofu. (laughs) Which, to be honest, throwing it, it's quite firm. I don't think it would work. It would be like a real splat on the car. I feel like... Tofu? You can get silken tofu, but we don't normally eat it because it's a bit shit to cook with. But anyway,
0: that, that also would be hard to throw because it would break up as you're going. So you I probably just
1: I just open up the packet and slok it out. I don't know what that <laughs> word, but it's like just straight out of the packet.
0: <laughs> just imagine you're doing that, and then it would like travel towards the car, and then just free fall. And yeah, then it'd be just flop, funny. Fall flat down on yeah, the ground. Yeah, it'd be pretty
1: funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so <clears throat> the other night we heard them again. This time probably at like one thirty, and I always reckon it's the same two guys, but it might not be. But anyway, um, we sort of were like trying to go to sleep and we we're listening. We started hearing this really weird, like, like oh, it's hard to explain, like a noise, like a really weird, um, Scrapey. Scrapey kind of really loud dis- noise. And we realised that what it was is that they were taping a parcel, basically <laughs> with tape. <laughs> there is nothing louder in the world than yeah. than masking tape being. Taped off at probably about like 1 a.m. 2 a.m. I don't know exactly, but like what? Yeah, I know. Weird, right? So they, but but not just once. It was like if you were trying to pack something to send overseas, like how many times you need to wrap it? So they must have wrapped it maybe like seven or eight times, and the same like. Like, like that long and gated ripping noise of, yeah. of masking tape <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really distinct and yeah. so we're listening like what the hell and we started giggling because like what, what of all the things you could do in like, the middle of the night yeah. why would you be wrapping a parcel outside our doorway so Tom went out and he was like he went out and he was like could you guys not do that there <laughs> like not do that under our our, like, bedroom they're like oh yeah sorry so they drove right outside aldi which is only really like five meters yeah. and then continued in which case it was almost as loud but yeah. anyway that's the sort of continuation of the, so the bedroom tom, antics. Did, did
0: tom see them actually wrapping a parcel or were they wrapping we what?
1: have no idea what they were wrapping <laughs> could have been drugs
0: been. yeah or they could have been wrapping the tailpipes a bit but oh
1: yeah. the shisha fresh head she, um fresh head shishas no
0: no oh. tailpipes
1: <laughs> What, is that? what does that mean?
0: You know, you're, you're like your exhaust.
1: Why would you wrap that?
0: Because then when you start the car and it goes for a while, then it makes a big boom because it
1: blows out the tail. Uh, no, I don't think doing that will do that. Small jokes. No, I don't think that will do that. Young, young people do. Yeah, Anyway, um, let's get to some I, thou, I, it.
0: Mm. Um, yeah, so we are read, well, we read uh, the first section um, of. I and Now by Martin Buber. We both read the same um, text, which was pages uh, 3 to 33, which is not a long text. Mm -mm. Um, And I will play now a short snippet of Martin Buber actually talking, uh, and then I will be able to translate for all of you non German listeners listening in.
1: Du, er geht's mir gut, du, wenn's weh mir tut, du, Himmel, du, Erde, du, oben, du, unten, du, wohin ich mich wende, an jedem Ende, nur du, wieder du, immer du.
0: Okay, uh, so that was Martin Buber's voice, which is pretty cool to listen to, like, big philosophical thinkers like that and actually listen to them speaking. Mm. Um, Because I think it gives you a little bit of the idea of how, um, you know, poetic they can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And what he says is... uh, uh, I am... uh, you, and he keeps repeating, do, which is you. Um, I am, you. If it all goes well, you. If I'm in pain, you. Heaven, you. Earth, you. Above, you. Below, you. Wherever I go, you. After everything, you. Only you, none but you, always you. Yeah, and that's the key to his philosophy. Um, To give you a little bit of a background, uh, let me get my nudes. Um, how you have to think of Martin Buber is a uh, not only a philosopher um, but a literist and a psychologist um, and a Talmudic scholar as well Mm -hmm. so he's Jewish Um, he was banned from public teaching by the Nazi party of Germany and he moved from Germany Germany to Jerusalem in 1938 very early on he wrote extensive letters to lots of people during his time. So lots and lots of letters back and forth, um, telling people what he thought um, and how they should go about life. And these letters include, you know, Kafka, Freud, Camus, Hannah Arendt, Einstein, you know, Sartre, that's, and, and Mahatma Gandhi. We actually shared letters with lots of different people at the time. Um, but also the, uh, the first leader of um, Israel um, after independence, David Ben-Gurion. Um, Bubba would write to him and say, you know, you really have to look at the other and engage with them um, on equal grounds um, in relation to Palestine. Um, so he was in favour of Israel, uh, but not a, a... You wouldn't call him a Zionist
1: um,
0: in the way that...
1: No, because he was one of the early um, promoters of a, like a 2 A dual state. A dual state. Yeah, that's right. Very early on, yep. which is... Before it was cool. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... He, but he did join the Zionist movement, but he, he tries to influence from inside the Zionist movement that it needs to be a dual state and there needs to be active participation. And that's actually a, um, a political measure which is now, has serious um, moves mm. in Israel today. Um, whether you'd have, and what, what he means by dual state doesn't mean divisionary lines of Palestine on one side, Israel on the other. Mm. Dual state means same country, same land, two people, um, self-governing rules side by side within the same mm, state.
1: Yeah, he didn't want the new uh, Israel sort of Jewish state to be defined by its hate for Muslim people. He didn't want that yeah. to be a major component yeah, of it.
0: Yeah, or, or otherness. Yeah, exactly. So you should have then Israel, yes? Yeah. And then inside Israel the two people would have their own sets of laws and rules and parliaments yeah. side by side Governed without boundaries. Yep. Um, which is really interesting. Um, he's considered <laughs> an existentialist, even though all existentialists say that they are not existentialist, except for Sartre. No. Uh, or Sartre.
1: Yeah, because he I read um he said that uh so he didn't like being called a philosopher or a theologian, um, claiming he was not interested in ideas, only personal experience and could not discuss God but only relationships to God. Yes. So he rejected like all the philosophers, same with um Camus, right? He yeah. didn't want yeah, to be thought of the Yeah.
0: Um but he does say that he speaks of holiness, and he's concerned with holiness. Everything is holy yeah. um, for him, and this is the entire engagement he has. Um, he was chosen um, as uh, by Warhol as being one of the most influential Jewish people um, of the time. and You don't mean Andy Warhol, do you? <laughs>
1: what? You don't mean Andy Warhol? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah the artist, yeah. Oh, but it says here, is his real name Robert Feldman Warhol? Is that the same guy? Yeah. Really? I don't know. I don't know enough about Andy Warhol, but that's a big difference from maybe he had a pseudonym of his Andy, but it just seems a bit weird.
0: Yeah, that's, well, actually, on that um, side note. Yeah. Michael J. Fox, what does the J stand for? I don't know. Without Googling.
1: No, I don't know. I'm I'm Googling. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's the same yeah, guy. Yeah, Warhol. Yeah, Andy Warhol. No, no, but the, your, what your note says is Robert Feldman Warhol. It's the same guy. Yeah. Oh, huh. well, there you go. I know he had such a different name. Yeah, I don't know why
0: that is. We should do an Andy Warhol episode. That would be really hard, actually. Yeah, it would be really <laughs> hard. How would we talk about Can, uh, Like,
1: oh, no. what is it, the Heinz soup Well,
0: you'd go, yes, this is red. Imagine, readers, red. Um, Anyway, he wrote um, expositions on the Talmud um, wrote um, esoteric, I guess philosophical works and I would gather, uh, I'd classify one of these like I Am Now as Mm -hmm. part of that because it's not written like Heidegger nor is it written like I don't think it's written like Camus No, no. Um, it's more poetry uh, and um, this circular engagement Now, he came to this realization of I and thou after he met with one of his students. Um, So as an academic, you're asked to meet with lots and lots of students as we are. And as, you know, some of the listeners that we have um, engages with students all the time and he gave the students some answers and was sort of dismissive. And he finds out later that the student died and he could never have a close relationship with that student. And he felt really bad about it and that shook him from that experience. Um, and he saw that relationship as an I-it relationship and this is what um, brings him to define these relationships that we have with people whether you have I-thou relationships or I-it relationships Um, and he basically was treating that student to an ends and as the student was treating him to an ends you Mm -hmm. know some student comes and sees him I need to pass what do I need to do? And then he says, yeah, you have to do this. And both of them are really uninterested in that actual interaction, but they're going through the tropes. You know, they're going through the motions of saying, yep, yeah, do this, do that, let's overcome this, and then you will pass, etc., etc." And this forms his entire philosophy that after the student dies, he's got no potentiality of, of resuscitating that engagement. Yeah. Um, so thinks that, well, instead we should have I-thou relationships, treating the other as the thou.
1: Yeah. I also read he's quite inspired by Kierkegaard as well. And Kierkegaard's philosophy was quite important to him in writing um, I and Thou. And I did a bit of research on Kierkegaard because we would talked a bit about him in relation to Camus, and I thought that was quite interesting. Mm. Yeah.
0: What? Well, oh, I thought
1: that was going to go further. No, um, <laughs> no but they're both, they actually both have a lot of similarities because yeah. both Kierkegaard was writing against a certain... Um, and he got a lot of criticism for it, but a certain type of Christianity. He really believed in sort of more personal experience. And, um, and he actually... He sort of, he, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But he, he had opportunities to be married to the love of his life, and he. but he actually, he dismissed it all. So he had this year-long engagement with pretty much this woman that he fell he- head over heels with and then basically just decided to cut it off because he thought he couldn't live his authentic self and kind of explore his philosophy with that. And then he started, that like, he wrote a lot. And so, mm. you know, I feel like maybe not as that aspect so much, but that Kierkegaard and uh, Buber as well were sort of... Um, rebelling a little bit from their really traditional beliefs because Buber whilst he was you know a devout Jewish and he talks about his Hasidicism and everything he mm. wasn't uh, he believed in a more personal relationship with God all the time not just in certain settings that's my yeah. interpretation yeah, yeah, of yeah. it but it's
0: not a personal relationship as in um, like evangelical Protestant Christianity has today yeah, where no. you have oh you know you know Jesus and Jesus is personal and no because that's becomes, an IEIT
1: relationship absolutely
0: yeah so it's it's always removed. And we'll get to the eternal vow after, yeah. I think, but we should probably... Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Yeah. It,
1: but, it, yeah, it's it's more about... Um, and I really like the way he de- describes it, uh, and, we, yeah, we'll talk more about it later, but that basically... Um, you can't really unpick um, it. You can't define it. You can't explain it, and he won't talk to you about it because you wouldn't understand it. Mm. And that's and that to me read a lot of like the stuff you're interested in in um, apatheticism, apatheticism yep. and about not really. You never really know God. You can't really describe it, mm-hmm. but we will seek it anyway. Yeah, sort of idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the relationship is a step towards, and there is the hope um, that that step. No, well, it's not even hope. There is the knowledge that 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 step towards is actually the right thing to do because the the eternal Tao is calling through all existence through yeah. the divine energy that actually permeates yeah. all existence and yeah. everything. Um, yeah, it was good.
1: Mm, I found it easier to read than Camus because it's not there's not a single like I'm gonna I miss I didn't read the last like three pages but the re- what I did read there was hardly any name dropping at all. Whereas you know Camus mm-hmm. is going like he's trying to position himself in a school of thought but there's very little in um, Buber's st- like uh, kind of work about mm-hmm, referencing mm-hmm. other philosophers
0: yeah no you're right yeah you're so right. I thought that was a lot, It was quite different it's all closed off um, yeah and it's it's in its own signifier but he's got no one he, he doesn't have to prove anything to other people yeah as Camus trying to prove yeah that name dropping is that purposeful thing yeah um, yeah so how about we go through through this sequentially um, because I think it makes sense how he's positioned it. Mm -hmm. Um, But in saying that, there are portions of this text, if you read them on their own, once you understand his philosophy, I think actually represent the entire philosophy at all times. Mm, Yeah, he's quite repetitive. Every single stanza actually is just this representation of either. And you're right, he just keeps... It's almost like an onion, like it keeps... Peeling yep. back the same thing over, mm. and over again. I
1: found it also like a lot of like ancient kind of like Hindu texts that have the really like um, back and forth, or like Zen Buddhist texts with a master and a student relationship where yep. they have a lot of um, like. What do you think about the eternal God? And that he'll answer himself. So there's a yep. couple of rhetorical yep. questions in there, which read to me a lot like those kind of older texts mm. that you read. I thought yep. it was quite interesting. And Talmudic
0: texts are, yeah. are very much like that. You you read the Talmud and there's, you know, Rabbi Rabbi talking to each yep. other. Now. Y- y- You might think like, okay, so this rabbi—it's according to them. That rabbi may not be a real person, yeah. um, Which is totally okay as well. Or it just could be a school of thought, you know. It's more like an exercise.
1: The same with the Mm -hmm. ancient Greek—that whole, you know, rhetoric and back and forth between people. No, it's interesting.
0: Hmm. Okay, so starts off by saying, you know, the I thou I it is. There's this primary word of I hyphen thou. And I hyphen it, and that's why a lot of texts where you read actually doesn't have the converted um, from German to English. They make a point of saying "Ich du ich es" because it's it's not "I space thou". You know, "I and thou", so "I ben thou Tara" um, or "I ben it Tom". Yeah. Um, (laughs) 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 Um, is more, you know, this connected aspect of it. So both are primary words. So yes. both are connected, this I thou and I it. Um, so just for the, the podcast's sake, when we say I thou for the rest of the episode and I it, it is connected sense only. Yeah. um not not separated
1: yeah and of the text it has a little hyphen the, the translator has, mm. has done that um and even just translating martin Buber, i think would be really difficult because yeah. um is also really interested in in the in language and translation and i and i, I read about him so i'm pretty sure and you correct me but that he was translating um the torah into um german or polish mm-hmm. is that right German.
0: So, German. Yeah, there's translation. There's translation.
1: But I think he was doing yes. doing it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah so because in in around the time where there wasn't a lot of... I don't think there was any translation at that time, or not many.
0: Not many. Yeah, no. so the no. idea so being... So the, the full text he was interested in actually yep. translating and actually reading in language.
1: Yeah, so I think he felt that it should be available to everyone, but not that it should be simplified. It should that's be written right. as it is, and that's the her- hermenetic hermenetic, aspect, yeah, hermeneutic aspect, yeah, yeah, hermeneutic, yeah. of it being... Um, something for you to puzzle out as you're reading and and you know in and, an esoteric sort of sense that that you will learn through through the reading and and he wasn't going to dumb it down for mm. you to understand and mm. in its complexity is is it's still enriching and i thought that was really interesting yeah,
0: yeah yeah um all right so he starts on something which is pretty interesting where primary words do not signify things yeah so i thou i it do not signify things so the signifier um, is um, a signifying part of language. So we, we know this through Heidegger um, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, more people like Herschel, actually. So Herschel says um, and it's this this back-and-forth debate, basically, between Heidegger and Herschel about the lectern. You know, walking into a lecture theatre, you've got the lectern. Now, when I say lectern, I think of, OK, a wooden box with a microphone, and a, it didn't know i could have had a microphone back in those days I don't mm-hmm. know. anyway doesn't matter and anyway, so you've got a lectern everyone knows sort of what a lectern is yes now it's made up of different things and different parts and that signifiers so Husserl says all right we have to imagine us stepping back and imagining the lectern but then heidegger makes the point well hang on a second what if you walked in and there was no lectern like that's a shocking experience and then we have to consider ourselves considering the lectern so it's like two steps back it's going back into beyond phenomenology mm-hmm. um, so here um, Buber makes a point that primary words of I thou I it this is what he's talking about um, in relation to these these aspects of engaging with the other no matter what the other is and you'll go onto the tree in mm-hmm. a second that it is not a phenomenological exercise Nor is it beyond phenomenology. It's not um, uh, existentiality, which Heidegger talks about. This is a primary cause, a primary relationship, Mm. and it defies meaning in that regard.
1: So it's happening right now. It happens all the time. It's real. It's not something that we're just thinking about. It's existing. It's like it's now. It is
0: existence, yes. Now, existence and being, you say those two words. Being
1: in time. Being
0: in time, that's right. (laughs) Or being (laughs) and.
1: Wasn't
0: I mean, it the other one Existence yeah, or something? What was Sartre's one? Existence. Yeah, so <laughs> being um, Yeah, so uh, we say these these phrases and we're meaning those things yeah. at the same time, and it just needs to be unpacked. Um, but yes, he's talking about Dasein, basically being in that space yeah. um, and experiencing the other. The problem with Heidegger, um, for all of these thinkers, so you know, Buber, Levinas, later as well, is... Mm-hmm. Um, that heidegger's missing the other in the room and for Buber, everything is that relationship with how we engage with the other and how that aspect yep. of engagement that makes is mm. yeah um yeah he actually goes forth and this is just in the the second page of this book that i is taking itself but i is the primary i thou and i is the primary word i it so i refers to one or other of those. I is constantly, I I is present Mm -hmm. when I say I. So I, therefore, is reliant on thou or is. For you to exist in the world, you exist not in individuality. You exist in relation to
1: yeah. And, and also that the it can be a you. So it's not mm. saying I and you. It could be I and table. You could have an I vow relationship with a cat. Right. Yes. You, or you can have an I eat relationship with your partner. Yes. So it doesn't mean that they're signifying um, like vows reserved for people and it's reserved for everything uh, else. It can, it's really about how it you are understanding yes. it and how you're connecting. Something.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um Um, Okay, so he goes through and says, you know, there is a perception. So I perceive something, I'm sensible something, I imagine something, I feel something. All of those are I, it. You know, I feel, I think of something, it's I, it. Yeah. Because it's capturing capturing the cause. Yeah. So the cause um, or the signifier of me saying, uh, okay... I'm going to think about the lectur- lectern, that has automatically made that into an it. Yeah, Because it's, it
1: captures yeah. my understanding thought, is very, very, very difficult to become an I-Vow. Most of what we would be operating would be a version of I-It, mm. is my understanding. Mm. That, that even when we first encounter someone, maybe in that split second you're in an I-Vow, but as soon as you start thinking about, oh, you know, when's my ne- when do I have to meet this person next, or whatever you start kind of thinking about it, it becomes, it turns quickly into an I-It. Is that right?
0: Yeah, well, it's about removing boundaries. So I don't think you do it in the first second. So it's about working through and removing your own potential uh, uh, potential boundaries and being in a moment of weakness. So both of you need to be weak in that moment open to each other.
1: Yeah, but um, I think later on in page 18, he says, every thou is going to become an it. It uh, is the internal chrysalis and the thou, the eternal butterfly. I know I'm jumping a little bit, mm-hmm. but I got the impression that Boob was sort of saying most of us are operating in an I-it and it's dif- more difficult to get into the other. Well, yeah, I he thou. says
0: it here. So, so every it is bounded by others. It exists only through being bounded by others. Yep. So that's the the binding. Yep. The hierarchy of relationship is what you... Goes um, forward onto is that we have this this relationship in, in nature. You know, creatures live, they move, um, and then second, we have a, a life with men, and then third, we have a relationship with beings. So there is a hierarchy of relationships, yep. but as you said, the thou and the it is not reliant on being human or spiritual. Yep. It can be other as yep. well. So everything is. He just other.
1: says that the dialogue aspect might be limited so in the first uh, sphere of relation with nature you can you have no speech whereas with life with men there is speech and then spiritual beings there's no speech mm. but so, but we feel that them there sort of thing mm, I mm. think that was further on but we're going to talk about the tree yes I like that I,
0: I have a, a reading so it can however also come about if I have both will and grace that in considering the tree I become bound up in relationship to it in relation to it rather. The tree is now no longer it. I have been seized by the power of exclusiveness. Yeah. So it's the exclusive relationship between you and the other that the, the thou relationship can actually contend with.
1: Yeah. I mm-hmm. found this really interesting because I think the video, I watched like a YouTube video on this section talking about the I and the tree. And the, the, the YouTube person was sort of saying that, that in a way Boober was sort of saying that you can't get the sort of same maybe relationship with an with another person through you can with a tree. But when I when I actually read it, I got the impression, especially towards the end, he starts to say, starts to kind of hypothesise a little bit about is the tree a dryad, like is it a living being? And he goes, actually I don't really know, and I don't have to answer it. He really yeah. kind of just goes, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so yeah. basically like it could be, but it could not be. But but even us discussing whether the tree you're having this relationship with is it a dryad? Is Is it, uh, you know, is there a spirit in it? Does it Mm. think? Does it talk? You're you're then eye-eating the tree. Yes, or or even considering it's...
0: um, He he talks about the tree as...
1: I really like that part. I thought that was really like um, the end of the tree section.
0: Yeah, he's got a... It's
1: kind of cheeky, I like it. Sorry for all the... Mm.
0: I I can perceive it as a movement, flowing veins, clinging, pressing pith suck of the roots breathing of the leaves ceaseless commerce with earth and air and the obscure growth itself so he's even considering here time yeah. within the treeness
1: i'm just trying to get to the end of it i know there's too much. about
0: everything belonging to the tree is it this Uh, It's form, it's structure, it's colors, chemicals, composition.
1: Oh, here again, this is the part part I like. The tree will have a consciousness then, similar to our own, question mark, of that I have no experience. But do you wish, through seeming to succeed in it with yourself, once again to disintegrate that which cannot be disintegrated? I encounter no solidry out of the tree, but the tree itself. Mm. And I think that's saying to the reader, like... Why do we have to declassify it? <laughs> because yeah. what he is also railing against is the idea that when we look at the tree as a scientist and we start c- breaking it down in its, in its chemistry and physical components, it's no longer the tree anymore. It's becoming an it. It's not mm. a thou, it's an it. And mm. I thought that was really interesting. I quite, This is probably my favourite section in the piece.
0: Yeah. So you didn't like the eternal thou parts?
1: I didn't mind it, but I, being someone that loves nature yeah. um, and, and reading it as, as a connection to living beings and something which I experienced, I really liked Buber's sort of sort of um interpreting that way and the the kind of repercussions this could have in ecology and and you know yeah. whole whole system kind of theories is really interesting so that's yeah. why i like the best about it
0: so how do we have this relationship then um so the weakness here he talks about for everything that is just in a moment of play ran through the perspective must be obliterated so you you have to be weak in that experience even with the tree And a tree has to show weakness to you as well.
1: To the vulnerability. Yeah, that's right. So
0: the vulnerability is open between both of you. And Mm. then the thou can be met. And this, this section is my favorite out of the entire work. The thou meets me through grace. It is not found by seeking, but my speaking of the primary word to it as an act of my being is indeed the act of my being. The thou meets me, but I step in direct relationship with it. Hence the relation means being chosen and choosing, suffering and action in one, just as any action of the whole being, which means the suspension of all partial actions and consequently of all sensations of actions grounded only in their particular limitation is bound to resemble suffering. The primary word I thou can be spoken only with the whole being, concentration and fusion. Into the whole being can only uh, can never take place through my agency, nor can it take place without me. I become through my relationship to the Thou. As I become mm-hmm. I, I say Thou. All real living is meeting.
1: Yeah, I wrote that one too. All li- all real living is meeting. I mm. thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah. yeah. So it's about you know us actually needing that to become. I
1: mm-hmm. that, that could, yeah, relationship have have he had with the
0: students is actually he treated the student as an S as as an as a U mm-hmm. and the student t- treated him as a U that actually removed the availability of both of them to be I you know proper does and proper beings in mm-hmm. that do you mean space.
1: they looked each other as an it
0: rather than a U yes oh sorry yeah Yeah. 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 no that makes sense As the, the and then yeah sorry I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah and then the thou relationship Enables both to become yeah. I.
1: But yeah, initially they were looking at each other as a means, as an end, and I eating each other rather than yes. I, you. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the other thing I really liked, and I know I think we're going back and forth a bit, was the stuff on experiences. So, you know, and, and I travel a lot, and you get this idea of like visiting a country and experiencing it. But even then, Booba's saying that, that that's, you know, using a location to, to kind of fulfill an experience isn't necessarily doing an I vow, you're still doing an I it. Mm. And, you know, and I thought of the example of, you know, when I traveled to India, I met someone once that really wanted to do like a slum tour, right, to visit the slums to v- see what the life was like, right. to have a kind of um epiphany about how shit other people have it and i was really critical of this because i was like isn't this isn't this poverty enough for you (laughs) over Hmm, here hmm. but i felt like he was really because boob explains like what is the world getting out of the experience what was what was the indian people that he was visiting getting out of the experience and it's nothing it was nothing they weren't getting anything from it it was uh like no He boob doesn't use this example but he talks a little bit about it on in page six um uh, he says, when man experiences the world, he's experiencing it for himself. The world doesn't take part. Mm. So if you are I are eating an a travel experience of travel, mm. the world isn't then taking part anymore, right? Mm. And so I thought that was really interesting because I'm really critical of people that... Use sort of slum tours to try and get an aha moment and, yeah. and really um, objectify people's poverty. I mean, yeah. it's poverty porn. It's horrible.
0: Going back to their own. Yeah, you know.
1: taking photos of like starving mm. children and, and think, yeah. giving themselves a pat on the back. Where I was like, can you imagine if you're somebody's shit? revelation experience, mm. that you're living in your day, you happen to live in a slum, mm. and all your role in that interaction was is to, to tell those people that they have it good. Yeah. Like, fuck that, do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, horrible. Yeah. Anyway, so I thought that was a really interesting little segment.
0: Mm. <laughs> um, it gets on to, I mean, you probably didn't read this part. I got
1: to the love part. Um, oh, okay,
0: it's just a little bit further, where he talks about thou being beyond capture so you're right you yeah. know going to India taking the photo of the slum it's a capturing that person as an it yeah you know there is poor child on street with sewer water going past you yeah. know, that that sort of experience whereas <coughs> here on page 3031 he's talking about how um yeah mutual action with the i and the beginning of the event this part of the basic truth of the human world it, it can be arranged in order only when things from being our thou become our it can be coordinated so it's so you have to basically remove the thou-ness of a being in order to uh, in order to order that thing to have an understanding of that thing in that experience you mean you
1: by that you're taking away their humanhood by yeah. objectifying them.
0: Even by going mm-hmm. there and saying, okay, I'm going to experience X, Y, whatever it is, yeah. you have already objectified the person yeah. or the being and you're already treating it as an Yeah. by doing that.
1: Yeah, or a means to an end or mm-hmm. for your own self-gratification. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting point. Um,
0: and that's... Maybe we, we get on to the eternal down mm-hmm. then um, so I know lots of people don't believe in God and I don't think it actually matters when you're thinking about Booba this way yeah. because he uses the thou um, in relationship to God so for him you can't have aspects to God he's an apophatic theologian in this regard you know you can't capture God's essence yeah. or experience and the reason you can't do that is not you know, monotheism or, you know, Judaism, whatever. It's because the thou escapes capture. So if the thou escapes capture for uh, an I-thou relationship between I, Ben, thou, Tara, um, and it's, it's beyond capture, you still can be captured. So you can still be an it for other people, as can I, um, as can a tree or whatever. So all objects yeah. here in the world can be its. Whereas he says the eternal thou has no neighbor. There is no aspect of understanding the eternal thou, something beyond, some sort of energy which permeates and and escapes, defies meaning and escapes capture. Mm -hmm. In that way, the eternal thou fills the heavens, the whole of himself. He is the thou and he fills the heavens. So it's beyond this capture entirely. And the hope is... That if we can treat each other as thou eternally, um, you know, to get to that relationship, to possibly say thou um, for another person, then, then we can treat them as God himself, mm-hmm. you know, because it eternally um, would escape capture. Um, and he wrote to friends at the time and, you know, someone wrote to him and said, oh, you know, can, can we now call you thou? And his friend writes back and says, well, um, uh, I, I may write thou, but I still think you, you know. So it's, it's so holy, that aspect of thouness ness that mm-hmm. it's not to be bandied around and not thrown around for bupa. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this aspect of striving towards treating the person that way and hoping to actually have mm-hmm. them on that. Background. So
1: what do you think would be an example of like everydayness of when you're doing that, when you're doing an eye bow?
0: Well, it's hard so here's here's the critique of it right so um tomorrow i'm driving up to newcastle my car's probably got 200 k's on the tank so i'm going to have to go and fill up my my car yeah so i'm going to go to the bp in the morning so bp has the best fuel i used to work there as a kid yeah yeah Yeah. this is the 101 jobs of ben (laughs) benachie this is one of them um i'll fill up and i know the woman who will serve me and she'll say you know just the fuel today, and I'll say, yeah, number two, thanks, and she'll say, yeah, thanks. And that's, so we're both treating each other as an it there, yeah, right. If I went in there, like I wouldn't even fill up. I'd have to go in there and go, you know, how are actually
1: you going? You know, mm. it would take. So it's always like selflessness, right? Yeah. Do you think that's anyone that can ever really do that? Because I mean, I even if you went in to go, you could say, well, you're going in for the the gratification of having her acknowledge that you popped. in. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like that, yeah. there still could be. I mean, there's the idea that... Do you think thinks without ulterior motives? Well, Booba
0: doesn't think so. He ends the, the, the chapter by saying, In all seriousness of truth, hear this. Without it, man cannot live. But he who lives with it alone is not a man. So hmm. to get by in life, we need I-it relationships. Yeah. All right. However, if we only have that, if we're treating everyone as a means to an end, then you are not really human. You're yeah. not actually a being. You're the worst. It's yeah. Yeah, It's bad.
1: Do you think Booba would be critical of, of, like, a kind of um modern, like, Protestant Christianity where, you know, God's, like, your friend who, who's finding yeah. your keys for you and stuff? I like could be quite critical yeah. of that version of Christianity. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah totally, yeah. because it captures that person. You know, the imagining of Jesus around the table as some... Um, it's generally Protestants, because, you know, uh, yeah. Catholics and Orthodox do more um, set prayers. and Yeah. Um, There's no personal
1: Jesus. That's very Protestant Christian. Yeah, rather. but
0: Orthodox has personal Jesus, but it's more you can't speak of the aspects. Like, yeah. it has to be removed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, there are exceptions to all of these. You know, obviously, there are Catholics and, and Orthodox, yeah. which have that. And then there are Protestants who have non-personal Jesus as well. So yep. don't want to be demeaning of anyone's faith in this regard. But... Y- y- I think you're right, you know, knowing that trope of that person that sits there and goes, you know, okay, let's close each other's eyes. Let's imagine Jesus at the table and Jesus is here and Jesus, you know, and all of this thing. You imagine the personification of Jesus, a deity standing there at the table and imagining every aspect of them. Mm. Um, That's capturing that deity. Yeah. Um, And that's not to be done. It's not because it, it, um, it demeans that.
1: Yeah. What do you think his connection still is like with Judaism? Because of the idea that then that God would be a Jewish God or a Christian God or a Hindu God, like we wouldn't know, right? Because we can't mm. be describing it. And what do you think Buber felt such a connection just because of his cultural heritage? Yeah, yeah. I think
0: his cultural heritage and he uses the Talmud as a a discussion point it's yeah because that, that he loves dialogue as well yeah absolutely so it's the feather yeah. um jewish uh writers and, and and thinkers talk about how you deal with the talmud as a feather that floats between us yeah so i may be coming from my perspective and we um speak about the torah and then you come from your persuasive perspective Dara, and you talk about the torah as well the point is not that we are trying to win an argument between each yeah. other this is why they capture um, in the Talmud and the Torah, conflicting stories yeah. and conflicting... you
1: told me a bit about that, the yeah. extra writings that are on top that's of the right. writings and on top. Yeah. It's like a pastiche of different people's opinions. Absolutely, and, yeah, and they capture this. Yeah.
0: And the, the most classic one is um, Adam's naming all of the animals. And, you know, does Adam name the fish? Yeah. Um, and that's the classic question. It's asked by Rashi's um, commentary. And then you have, you know, two Jewish thinkers um, who, one says yes, absolutely, <laughs> because it's a beast... The other says, no, if you took the fish out of the water, they would die. So, no, he couldn't have named the fish. And that's also about, you know, man not having, uh, humans not having um, complete control of the oceans, you know, as a a primordial Mm -hmm. state. Um, That debate there, that engagement shows how Judaism actually engages with Torah because it's not important that either win. Yeah. The point is to talk about it. Yeah. The point is for the feather to keep floating, because as long as there's people in the room discussing the issue, mm. the Torah still floats. the stu- the The feather is still there, yeah, and it's still being engaged with.
1: Mm. I and think I, it's a really nice way to look at those texts, mm. rather than thinking it's an authority and that everything in it's correct, but actually yeah. encouraging debate and that, you know, and using trying to find things that mean, matter to you and that, that impact your experiences, right, mm. in a way. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's right. Um. But there is no; it's not a religion of being soft towards each other and saying, "Oh, okay, which let's be accepting of all things." Yeah. Either, yeah, you know, there are definitive truths that you can understand from each of the thinkers. Mm-hmm. It's just that um, it's very, very similar to the the ancient church, which said there is no one doctor or doctrine which defines the faith. That's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Booba in this regard, you know, anyone who tries to capture God in that way yep. is just um, personifying God as an it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's not to be done.
1: Yep. Mm. Cool. Excellent. And what do we... Uh, do we have anything else on Booba? Are we going to... Um, I don't know. Do
0: well, what else did you think?
1: Um, let me see. Looking back at my notes. I thought it was very poetic, the way it was written. Like, mm. it is written like poetry. Um, and... Uh, it's very, like, eloquently written. Um, I really, like, I liked the his sort of dialogue, like, the way he writes, I think, was really interesting. Um, yeah. I liked also the aspect of the I-thou is... is the, It's the relationship. It's the between the I and thou that's important. It's not really the I or the thou. it's the beto- what's happening between that's the right, two. And that's yeah, really yeah. important as well, like, that it's relational. Um, so, yeah, it says... And then he talks a lot about love as well. Like uh, love is not in the thou, but between the I and the thou. Oh, so love yeah, exists yeah. between, and that's on page 15. I thought that was really sweet.
0: Yeah, 15, 16. So you speak of love as though as a relationship between women, but the properly speaking, can you even take it as only an example, since that it is there is such a thing as hate. So there's this hate and love. Yeah. And this, um, you know, otherness. So you can't. It almost defies meaning. Love. Yeah. It's a state. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, it was interesting, and also love is responsibility of an I for a vow. I thought it was really interesting as well that there's mm. like a, a the responsibility of, of you as well in in that relationship. Mm. Mm. So, um. So yeah, you you do you also sense that Booba's a bit cynical that that we are existing mostly in the I it and that it's quite difficult to I do think the so. I vow yet, Yeah, especially I think the way he finishes that. it.
0: And um, it, there is a necessity of of. Um, uh, the world of being in that, but and that's quite but a we should
1: strive thing. for the either, yeah. and that's like Kamu. We should try and be imagine Sister happy that, that there's an aspect of hope, or because mm. um, you know, he was so he's still talking about existential dread, right? That we're living in an I it where everything's a means to an end, but how do we kind of get out of that, right?
0: Kamu, Exi-
1: sen- uh, booba, oh, booba, yeah, yeah. so yeah, switching. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There, there is. You know, what is the purpose? What mm. is the purpose? Because that's bringing
1: it back to existentialism, more generally. Mm. That's yes. what it's doing, right? Yeah,
0: and that's why you'd be considered within that trend of existentialist yep. thinkers or philosophers. But the reading, the writing here he's giving is unique. I think mm. from a lot of philosophers, it's not. Um, you know, it's more like Renard R- R- Kipling. Like it's more. Um, or, or, or what's his name? Um, Kumi or is that guy? I'm not sure. Yeah, he's, a, he's a poet mm-hmm. anyway um, it's, it's very poetic and you have to like read behind it but yeah. it is poetic but still talking about the philosophy at the same time so mm. it's not as removed as going okay let's talk about uh, Tolstoy Dostoevsky's work and going okay let's unpack this and this character represents this archetype yeah. and that's how we understand it yeah he's not Using the archetypes in this regard, it's just talking about the philosophy.
1: Yeah, but he was reading a lot of philosophers too. He wasn't yeah. in isolation, so it's not like he was just born in like because he was in a quite an orthodox Jewish family yeah. setting, right? And then he sort of I got the idea he kind of pulled back from that and yeah. then started reading a lot more. His influence was influenced very highly. It was Nietzsche and or yeah. was he was he. Yes, yeah, and yeah. Kierkegaard and other yeah. philosophers and things. So he was really um, thrown into kind of academia and ph- not academia, but like philosophy thought yeah. and the academy rather than just being the Jewish kind of influence. Yeah. That's had a huge impact on his philosophy absolutely. as well. And he's
0: writing from, from the perspective of Europe during this this time after the Second World War, of, of yeah. writing their new history and... You know, debating the ideas and coming up with ideas. You know, you got Sartre over in, in France doing yeah. his thing. Was that um, around
1: the same time? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then you have Buber. Yes, and they shared letters between yeah. each other. Yeah. Which is quite cool. Yeah. Um, Buber's letters. There's a lot of them. Yeah. To everyone.
1: He wrote a lot of texts as well. He's quite yeah. a big writer. Yeah. I big, big writer. And he wrote yeah. compil- compilations of Hasidic mm-hmm. stories as well, and did a yeah. bit of translation. Yeah, so on
0: capturing those. oral Torah from Talmud and yeah. then mixing with Hasidism and then compi- compiling those. So that's a, it's a hermeneutic exercise where he's taking texts from different areas and then organising them into to different times. Yeah. And that's a very Jewish thing as well. I've yeah. you know, imagined like... It's not only oral Torah, but there is written Torah and that's all on scrolls, bag of scrolls, literally in synagogue being pulled out. There is a misorganization that's happening all the time, which means it's acceptable to look at.
1: Yeah, we didn't talk at all about his political influence because he was quite um, interested in uh, at the beginning of uh, like anarchism. And this is what I read. And Mm -hmm. like, um, uh, like. Uh, new ways of utopias and new ways of political systems. And he saw yeah. in certain political systems a way for more I vow. And I think he was looking more towards uh, like social kind of. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's what I read. It's, I don't know.
0: It's not. It's very hard to define it because you wouldn't say he's anarchist as in anarchist when you say today that smash the state, destroy the. Yeah, people. no. It's It's more utopic engagement with others and then the I, thou and that's how he's talking about um, you know Palestine and, and Israel yep um, and and the, the concerns that he's having with the, the creation of the state
1: yeah no definitely
0: hmm.
1: yep, I don't think I've got anything else to say do you? no no we're done with Booba and then we're going to move on with this theme of sort of Jewish philosophy and existentialism existential, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, for next week?
0: Uh, I guess so
1: it wasn't yep. the plan. You had three thinkers that we were going oh, to I focus on. I didn't know on. we
0: were going to do that next week. I thought we were going to break. But yeah, we could do that. So next week, really, you want to you want to read Levinas, totality and infinity. I
1: thought it would make sense to do them in order.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, next week, all being well, um, unless things go wrong, which who knows? Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Emmanuel Levinas, uh, totality and infinity, and exter- uh, an essay on exteriority. Twenty one yep. pages from that, uh, and then we will go forth and end with uh, Melissa Raphael um, talking about the feminist intimations of the holy in Ashrid. Yeah,
1: and Levin is also someone that's very poetic, right? The way he writes is quite poetic. From yeah, memory, yeah, not
0: as as poetic as okay, Bieber, yep. but yeah, you he, there is there are some subtle differences between Leviner and,
1: yep. um, and and Bieber. we'll link uh, the text that we talked about on the. Uh, write up for today? Yeah, in the show notes it'll yep. be there. So. And any w- works you recommend if people are interested in Martin Buber? Other than the Ikand thou?
0: Ikandu.
1: Ikandu. Oh,
0: yeah. I think I've got... Putting Ben on the spot. Mali Mali. Yeah, In the Knowledge of Man and Eclipse of God. Yep. Mm. Read Eclipse of God. It's very good.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: If you are interested in the eternal thou which we are all eternally interested in. Yep.
1: Well, thank you for this discussion. Thank me. I think we're doing a good dialogue. Thank thou. thank
0: thou. Thank thou all for listening. Yes. And I will see you all in the future. Bye. Bye.